Welcome to another episode of Paleo Runner Podcast, a show helping you find better ways to live, run, and eat. I'm your host, Aaron Olson. The website for the show is paleorunner.org. I wanted to let you know that I offer personalized run coaching over Skype and email. If you're interested in working with me, go to paleorunner.org slash coaching. My guest today is Simon Wegeriff, founder of the leading smartphone heart rate variability app called Ithalete. Simon is a keen cyclist, and since starting to monitor his heart rate variability, he's discovered the impact of mental stress and how it can lower your heart rate variability and your body's reserves. Simon, it's great to have you on the show. Thanks, Aaron. It's uh, really good to be here. Thank you for inviting me on. Yeah, it's great talking with you. Uh, Tell me a little bit about your background. How did you get interested in sport? Sure. Um, I've always been, I think, pretty much the whole of my adult life. Um, I've been a keen but not very talented endurance athlete. I originally did rowing at school and and, and really enjoyed the training for it, uh, as well as the rowing itself, circuit training and cross-country running and kind of old-fashioned stuff like that, but uh, very, very satisfying nonetheless. Um, and later on, um, I started doing running, so mostly 10Ks, half marathons, and um, some triathlons up to half Ironman, particularly while I was, uh, I had a seven year spell for work, basically living in California and uh, did quite a few triathlons and a lot of um, cycling, a bit of cycling racing while I was there as well. So um, I've always been looking to make the most of my limited abilities and, and I'm still doing that like 30 years later and still enjoying enjoying these activities very much indeed. Okay. So when did uh, heart rate vari- variability come into your life and why did you start measuring it? Yeah, so um, I, uh, I used to get a, a, a kind of research digest. I am a scientist and engineer by background and I used to get a research uh, digest called Peak Performance uh, in the UK which summarized uh, what was going on in the world of sports science. And I think it was probably summer of 2008, I came across an article in there that talked about heart rate variability as um, a useful measure of fatigue and recovery. However, the tools and techniques that were mentioned in there were really not very practical and and most of them were pretty expensive. And I became interested in, in this whole area very quickly. I started reading original research um, and basically trying using my engineer's brain to figure out a way that it could be done more simply, accessibly, and, and cheaply so that initially I could do it myself. But, uh, you know, it, it wasn't long before I decided that the, the, there was a, a good enough idea for a product in here. Mm-hmm. And so what, what exactly are you measuring when you measure heart rate variability? Yeah, so what you're measuring is really the the fine grain variation in timing between heartbeats. Uh, pretty much everybody is familiar with the spiky trace that you get on an ECG or EKG, and the big spikes are the what's called the R waves, and those are produced when the large heart part of the heart muscle, the ventricles, contract, propelling all that blood around the body. And what heart rate variability analysis is is looking at the precise way that the um, timing from one R wave to the next varies. So you might think that heart rate at rest is is constant and beats a bit like a metronome, but in fact the heart rhythm is 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 full of variations, and that's a very healthy thing. And in general, the more heart rate variability people have. The, the fitter they are, um, the better their prospects for longevity, and the more adaptive their system is overall to be able to cope with stress. Mm. 
Okay, so you start measuring your heart rate variability. Um, what what sort of things did you notice? Is this telling you um, how you, how hard you can push yourself on that day? How how you're recovered? What what exactly is this telling you? Yeah, so the amount of heart rate variability uh, does actually change a lot between individuals. So one of the things I did for iFleet was to create a scale which would give people an intuitive feedback, which unlike the laboratory measures that were in some rather odd scientific units, I wanted something which would immediately give people an intuitive feel of, of roughly where they were. So the iFleet scale is roughly roughly um, out of 100, although it can certainly go higher than that. We've seen some very, very fit athletes topping over 110 on the scale. But basically, because it changes between individuals, what we really want to do is to create a baseline, which is, which is a fancy term for a moving average, really, and then look at your variation in heart rate variability from one day to the next. And heart rate variability, remember, is a good thing. Um, so uh, if your HRV is above baseline, that's a good day to train hard because it indicates that your reserves on that day are, are better and you're more capable of, of supporting um, um, a, a good-sized training session. Okay. Um, so you said uh, athletes that are very fit actually have a higher heart rate variability. Um, so as, as you get more fit, will that score increase? Is that what you're saying? Yes. So your baseline will move up over time. Um, I think, yeah, there was a somebody posted on our Twitter feed over the weekend um, uh, an iFleet chart taken over the past three months or so for I suspect a pretty a, a, a pretty good athlete, and their blue baseline went up by about six or eight points um, over the past three months, and this was highlighted by the coach as being an indication of improvements in aerobic fitness. And in fact, he, he was pleased that the athlete score was confirming what he had seen as the coach, which was an improvement in the aerobic fitness of this athlete. Hmm. So how have you used it personally? I mean, what does this tell you? you, if you do you take it in the morning and then decide on your training? Or do you have a training schedule and then just kind of monitor this in the background? Tell me how that works. You could do it both ways. Um, what the research seems to be leaning towards and what my own uh, experience tends to lean towards is that, that you should keep your training plan flexible so that you can make the most of whatever the HRV score and your body's reserves and abilities are on that particular day. That doesn't mean it has to be completely random, um, but for instance, if you were doing a monthly type of periodization and you had, let's say you were in the third week of that, the hardest overall week with a high training load, then for instance, if your HRV starts dropping um, too far and too fast, and that iFleet will give you, you know, oranges and reds at that point as color codes, then it could be that you need to back off to avoid um, non-functional overreaching. So the term overtraining has now been replaced really by a finer grained um, set of terms. Um, so we have functional overreaching, which is where you deliberately push yourself and then during tapering and recovery, your body super compensates in order to get fitter than you were before. The next stage after that is called non-functional overreaching. And non-functional overreaching is bad, firstly, because you beat yourself up excessively whilst 
um, doing uh, training loads which are really too high for you to be able to cope with. You suppress your immune system, you stimulate inflammatory responses and other bad stuff like that. But the worst part is that you don't actually get any benefit from it because when you relieve uh, that training load, you don't supercompensate. So non-functional overreaching means that you never get the beneficial adaptations of training. All you do is end up beaten, beaten and broken, as it were. So HRV is a really good way to help you walk the fine line between beneficial functional overreaching and non-beneficial non-functional overreaching. Does that make sense? Yeah. Okay. Now, are you looking for variability on of your testing on different days as well? Like say you, you do a hard workout and then the next day, are you looking for a low score to show that you went hard enough or how, how does that work? I'm, I'm working with one athlete right now who's has a score of 100 almost every day, no matter how hard we go the day before. So tell mm. me if that's a good thing or a bad thing. Yeah. Um, so you would like to see um, that if the training load is sufficient, uh, you would like to see that the HRV is dipping. So it could be that the intensity isn't high enough, that they can actually tolerate more um, more reps within the training program that they're doing. You you would like to see HRV dip before it then you know supercompensates during during recovery. But you know HRV score of a hundred is a pretty nice high score and probably indicates that their reserves and resilience are quite high. Mm-hmm. And you've you said that mental stress can also um, have a significant impact on that. So this it sounds like it, that's one of the um, cool things about this is that. It's not just measuring um, how hard you went the day before, but also how much stress uh, your body can handle. Is that correct? Yeah, it absolutely is. I mean, um, I, I mentioned that I started looking into HRV in 2008, but I think even early 2009, um, uh, I got in touch with uh, Phil Maffetone. And he helped, you know, he was, he was, first of all, he was very pleased that somebody was actually doing an accessible HRV application. But secondly, he helped me understand that the way the body perceives stress is the sum total of physical stress, mental stress, and, and chemical stress as well. And chemical stress is something that's produced, you know, by, by drinking too much alcohol or by um, a poor diet or by, or by taking drugs and things like that. So what the body, the body's stress response is the sum total of those three types of stress. So if your body is meant, if you are mentally stressed and chemically stressed, you're not going to be able to cope with as much training load. Mm-hmm. How about food? Can that can that affect you as well? You can certainly improve your HRV with a good diet, and there's, there's some good quality research out there on um, omega three fish oils on what's called the DASH diet, so a kind of uh, high fruit and vegetable diet, and also the Mediterranean diet, that over six to 12-week periods, those will increase the HRV of you know, participants in these kind of trials. So good eating can certainly have a benefit. What's very interesting relating to HRV in research recently, um, Aaron, is the relationship between HRV and the inflammatory response, that not only is HRV depressed uh, during inflammatory conditions, but that uh, the parasympathetic nervous system itself is actually part of the the causal loop for the release of cytokines and the actual inflammatory response itself. Um, And as we all know, 
you know, there are certain foods we can take which are pro or, or anti-inflammatory. So it is very likely that, that you know, diet, particularly cumulatively, will have uh, an impact on HRV. Mm-hmm. So have you changed your diet at all as a result of that? Yeah, I have. And, and I'm, I'm continuously adapting my diet, actually. One of the things um, that I started doing is because I do, I train mostly in the mornings. Um, I've taken advantage of that to basically just have a cup of coffee uh, on most days before I go training. So I'm trying to become more fat adapted um, and build a bigger endurance base. And I've certainly seen that have beneficial uh, impact on my HRV. I'm also, I'm really trying to cut out um, sugary carbohydrates from my diet. And overall, I like to think of HRV as being something which can help you. It, it's a bit of a journey of self-discovery. So I've been doing this every day for five years now. And the research says that over a period of five years, my HRV should have declined with age. Um, but what's actually happened is that my athlete score has gone from low to mid-60s now to mid to high 70s over that period of five years. So I have continuously been finding ways of boosting my HRV, and that's given me some very good motivational feedback to stick to those improvements that I've made, some of which are what you would expect, and some were really unexpected. So one of which was yogic-type belly breathing. I I didn't give that much credence as having anything other than perhaps a short-term transient effect. But in fact, good quality breathing has has a really beneficial effect. It's it's one of the best things you can do for your HRV. Hmm. You know, um, doing things like yoga and meditation uh, sound pretty painful to me. I I, I don't like just sitting still and and doing things like that. Um, Tell me, how, how did you get into that practice? And besides just improving your HRV, do you believe it's also helping your performance on the on the bike? Yeah, that, that that's a really good one. I won't say that I've gone all the way into yoga and meditation. Um, my wife does quite a lot of hot, uh, I think it's Bikram yoga. Um, but what she told me was basically relating to breathing. So using diaphragmatic breathing, where you breathe from your belly rather than from your chest. And that directly stimulates uh, parasympathetic nerve and that uh, not only improves your HRV but it also improves just the mechanics of your breathing and when you're on the bike one of the things you want to be able to do is to breathe efficiently and effectively so some of us have seen these old pictures of um, Tour de France cyclists with swollen bellies on climbs. I don't know if you've seen that. People like Jan Ulrich from uh, a good few years ago. Okay. And people said, you know, has he been eating too much? Not at all. It's actually that he was a good practitioner of, of belly or diaphragmatic breathing. So he was able to take a lot of extra air in by using his abdomen. And and that is something that, that has been useful in improving my, my bike performance. I very rarely get out of breath on the bike no matter how hard i'm working nowadays okay okay fascinating so how so how would you recommend people go about using this i know you just came out with a new product um i i where you can see your scores online i believe can you tell us a little bit about that yeah so that, that, that's iFleet pro um so you know we've had the mobile app available since uh, the end of 2009 um and iFleet Pro is really something that came about uh, as, as, a, as a result of the program that we were doing for teams. So um, we, we were asked about three years ago to start producing um, a web or cloud application so that coaches could look at 
scores of, of, of multiple players and athletes. And then we found that when individuals have been looking at that team map, they say, God, this is a, gosh, this is a really nice interface. I'd like to have something like this for my personal data. And that was where the idea for iSleep Pro came from. And what we've done is we've created it with a, a very nice-looking modern user interface made up of widgets so that people can see their data in different ways. And we've always found with iSleep that some people you know, are happy with the traffic lights, some people like to remember the number, other people prefer the charts. And, and you know, the, way that, the, the ways that we gain insights from our data are a little bit personal. So iSleep Pro gives you a number of different ways of doing that including a new thing that we call the training guide, which is basically plotting um, your uh, HRV in, in a two-dimensional space that gives people more, more subtle feedback on where they are state-wise and, and gives them verbal recommendations on what kind of training would be best for them on that day as well. Hmm. Interesting. Okay, I've got a question about training. Now, let's say you're a marathoner or, or ultra marathoner, and you never know what your HRV is necessarily going to be on any on race day. So is there any point in, say, uh, training hard when your HRV is low to try to um, teach your body to run hard, maybe when it's even feeling bad? Uh, well, on race day, you hope that you're going to be well, you know, you hope you're going to be well rested and well tapered. Mm -hmm. I wouldn't advise people to take their HRV on the morning of race day itself. Uh, a couple of reasons for that. One is that you, you know, it is quite likely that you're going to be mentally a bit stressed on a race day. You're going to be in a different location, probably from, from normal. You might be waking up at a different time to normal. And HRV is something that we should try and do under the same conditions at the same time every day. Um, so I wouldn't recommend people really do it on, on race day itself. And I would recommend that they're well tapered and rested. What I would also say is that once their, you know, their HRV is really dipping as a result of accumulated um, training, especially high-intensity training, um, that they do then throttle back on the intensity. It is the intensity that causes the HRV to dip. And so if you were to do some fully aerobic, so you know, work at a pace um, where you can still carry on some kind of conversation with a with a, with a running partner, then that helps to accelerate recovery. So the research is is quite clear in this respect, and we summarise quite a lot of research on our website on the blog that you know low intensity aerobic exercise can really help to accelerate recovery and helps to you know get the, get your hrv back to back to normal whereas high intensity training um you know really suppresses it but of course high intensity does also provide a good stimulus for adaptation mhm mm is is there any ability to sort of plot this against actual performance um and to see how hrv is actually improving performance uh, have you ever done something like that um, I, I did a paper on that based on myself and another cyclist because I noticed, uh, in fact, a very good correlation um, between my times on uh, a certain small mountain in the French Alps um, uh, called the Col de Vence. And also there was an, another cyclist I was corresponding with um, who'd basically been building up becoming a keener and keener cyclist and he was also noticing his hrv correlating very well with his times on a, a around a particular loop so i wrote up a little paper on that there are also a couple of very good 
uh, sets of results uh, in, in pub peer-reviewed published research that, again, summarized on our blog. One was with 10K runners, and that one came out so clearly that over an eight-week period, only the runners whose HRV improved in that time improved their, improved their 10K performance. Uh, the, the the runners whose HRV didn't improve didn't improve their performance either. So that was that was like a hundred percent success that particular that particular study. And then there's another one done on French elite swimmers where um, they did HRV tests um, uh, the day before a weekly 400 meter time trial, and this was this was elite swimmers, and they found that the HRV could predict uh, their times in this 400 meter. Um, swimming time trials so well that they no longer needed to conduct the time trial. They were happy. <laughs> they, they were happy just to use the HRV, and that again, that one summarised on the on the blog as well. So there is quite some potential there. There's a limited number of studies, but the studies that have been done have come up with some very you know some some almost too good to be true results. Okay. Wow. So um, what what do you use the the finger device or the chest strap? How do you go about measuring? Well, I use the same thing that I have since, since since day one of doing this, which was the little iFleet receiver that we originally created and a, and a polar-type uh, heart rate strap. So I'm, I'm just trying to keep the conditions constant over the years, as it were. So, you know, I'm doing it exactly the same way as I did back in, you know, mid-2009. And should people measure it at the same time every day? As far as possible, yes, because... Um, otherwise we have, um, circadian influences. So people's hormone levels change quite a bit. Um, and what some people notice, for instance, is if they get up two hours earlier than normal, for instance, to go catch a plane or something like that, um, their HRV will be higher than normal and their heart rate will be lower than normal. And there's a good reason for that. And that is that it's the, it's, it's actually cortisol that wakes us up in the morning. So it's called the cortisol awakening response. And that is in a natural environment that's produced by the effect of, uh, sunlight on the back of our eyes. So that's, that's then used to, um, uh, stimulate a hormonal uh, hormonal response, which clears away the melatonin and brings in the cortisol to wake us up. And cortisol does, you know, does get us ready for action. So, uh, it does reduce HRV a bit and it does increase our resting heart rate, but that's, you know, in the good cause of getting us ready to do stuff. Okay. Okay. Well, Simon, it's been very interesting talking with you and I appreciate you coming on the show. Is there anything else that you'd like to share with the listeners before we end the call? Um, no, I don't just, I, I don't think so, but you know, do think of HRV as, um, a, a, a tool for self-discovery and, um, you know, I, I hope that every athlete user learns something about themselves that they didn't know before by using, by using this tool as, as well as hopefully getting, you know, much better quality and consistency in their training and results. All right, Simon, it was great talking with you. Thanks again for coming on the show. Thank you, Aaron.